Welcome to the pre-show. Welcome to the pre-show. Yeah. So, Greg, this past weekend, we are recording this on the 17th of May. Uh, this past weekend were the uh, the Junos. They were. Yeah. Uh, which celebrates... What does it celebrate? Do we, do we say excellence in Canadian music? Or do we say it, we celebrate pop music? What, what, how would you describe wow. the Junos without saying, oh, it's the Canadian equivalent of the Grammys? Or No, I think it's a celebration of Canadian music. Celebration of Canadian music. Yeah, that's oh, the word. And international music, too. Sorry, because they have, you know. Yeah, we celebrate. Uh, international other- artists presented by Coca-Cola or whatever. Yeah. I find it kind of hilarious that all the awards are are sponsored. <laughs> no, but it's, it's less that. It's more like why, 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 why? And and I think we, I think you and I have this discussion every year. We talk about the Junos. Yeah, it's like why are we worried about celebrating international artists? That's not the point of this. Yeah, the point is to celebrate Canadian artists. So why do we have? I don't know. Whoever. I hear, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, what is it? Oh, it's funny they don't have it here. Uh, although the Juno for the Fan Choice Award is 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 uh, is a TikTok award, so that's that's kind of interesting. But um, yeah, let me uh, let me click through to the uh, to the website for all of the winners. Um, yeah, well, I mean, listen. So, sometimes it all boils down to to money. Right, so if uh, sponsor X is going to dole out thousands of dollars to sponsor an award, and that award takes five minutes of your time, then you know maybe it's worth having said award. Maybe no. that's how they look at it. Maybe it's it's no. another no. way to no. We're, we're, we've no? grown up. We've moved beyond that. We do Have not we? need. We do not need international. No, we need to celebrate Canadian music. But whatever. Yeah, but no, I agree with you, but I'm saying maybe it's just a matter of money, right? Maybe it's just, it's just a cash grab. Because Justin Bieber, Sean Mendez, The Weeknd, um, who else? No, there, there are popular Canadian bands. Absolutely. So um, why do we need to why do we need to celebrate Adele, Doja Cat, Olivia Rodrigo, Taylor Swift, and the Kid Leroy? Who, by the way, I learned about him from my son, a young kid out of Australia. Okay. Along the genre of of Machine Gun Kelly and Oh really? And that kind of well, kinda of, yeah, grand nah, grandson, but he did he did the, the track with uh, Justin the Beebs. The Beebs. That, that <laughs> did quite well. So that's, that's that's how I learned about it. Anyway, yes, we are I showing our listeners how hip we are by I'm calling Justin Bieber my kids the Biebs. <laughs> um, did you know how many how many how many former Welcome to the Music artists were nominees this year? Oh, nominees! I don't know. Oh, well, I well, believe me, I believe we were either four or five. Four or five. Well, last year we had winners. Right last year, you know, we had some winners. Ocon, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and I think Rock Group as well. Um, but the host 
Yes. The host of of the of the show. Uh Simu Liu, Liu Simu Liu um was a guest on the uh Welcome, Welcome with Kareem Kanji podcast. Yes. Uh, which is a, a, a forefather to this podcast. You had him before you you had him before Listen, Marvel. I you had him before Kim's convenience. You had him when he was doing dentine commercials, if I'm not mistaken. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I had him when he was on Kim's convenience. But uh, I think I I, I I had a role. Uh, some would say a large role. Some people would say that. Uh, in uh, helping to introduce him to uh, a, a wider audience. So some might say, some might say that I had a role in... Uh, in introducing him to uh, to Disney, uh, to Marvel, wow! And some might say that if he was not on, it all of a sudden became dark here. <laughs> We're not going there again, are we? We're gonna some, get Justine Childs in on this conversation. Go ahead. Some some might say that um, without him appearing on my podcast, he might not uh, have a best selling book. Uh, have been the host of the Junos, been a host on Saturday Night Live, uh, or been a star of a, a Marvel movie. So th- some some might say that. Some might say some. Many will disagree, but some might say some might. <laughs> but uh, no, congratulations to to all of the winners. Mm-hmm. Um. And I need to do some research and, and listen to some new music because I don't know who this Charlotte uh, Cardin, Cardin who, who won a number of awards, mm-hmm. including uh, Artist of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard her music. I might have heard her music, but I don't know who that is. So I am pleasantly surprised that uh, that we have some uh, up and coming. Okay. Pop, pop quiz. Yes. How do you pronounce the letters B, uh-huh. B, N, O, money sign? B, B, N, O, dollar sign? Yeah. Uh, bonobos? I don't know. <laughs> How we do were you talking pr- about this at dinner last night. Is it B, B, no money or B, B, no cash? I think it's BB No Money. And I baby. Don't mean, I don't. Is it Baby No Money? Baby. BB. Baby. Canadian rapper. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if we should leave this in. <laughs> Listen, better known as BB. What does BBNO stand for? Baby No Money. Baby No Money. Yeah. Not BB. Not BB. Oh, the lights came on. Well, what, what is happening here? <laughs> I don't know. You've lived a whole day and a half during the pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? The light comes and goes. Oh, we've got that. We've got the cleaners coming in, uh, coming into the office. Um, so, baby, no money, baby, 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 no um, money. One uh, did did uh, did baby, no money, win some awards? Is that what we're saying? I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. Just baby, no money performed. Okay, 
and uh, it was just a hot topic of conversation last night about how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, Mustafa was amazing. Okay. You watched the whole show? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Should I not have said that because it shows you? You didn't watch it, did you? (laughs) Did you not watch the show? I didn't watch the show. I'm, that's why I'm laughing. It's because like here we are talking about Hold the Junos. I watched. Thinking, oh, you watched it. We're gonna have a great conversation about the performances and and. Uh, I watched. Know. I watched two performances, uh, or maybe, well, one performance, two half performances, and one. So I watched. Um, I saw Snotty Nose Res, Res Kids, mm-hmm. uh, and the Junos need to do a better job of miking the crowd. Because it seemed to be a very hot performance, um, but like it was as if they were in a isolated oxygen chamber where you couldn't hear anything but the music uh, and their voice. It was it was too perfect. It was I, I it didn't feel like I was watching a live performance at Budweiser stage. Hmm. And then I watched the last performance, um, your wife's favorite band, uh, Arcade Fire. Yep. Um. And they always put on a good show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, though that that is what I, I watched. I was busy watching uh, Game Seven of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, we're a music podcast, by the way. We're not a sports podcast. So yeah, I know, but I'm just telling future, you. Where I was... Future reference. <laughs> future reference. If you want to talk about the Junos, I just, I just, I just thought I'd watch this. Listen, we have to, uh, um, we have to give condolences. Uh, to uh, to the Milgard family, David Milgard passed away. Yes. Uh, and uh, David Milgard, if, if people are wondering who he is or what his connection uh, to music is, he was uh, wrongfully convicted uh, decades and decades ago. Spent was it twenty plus years uh, in jail for a crime that he did not commit. Nobody cares about something he didn't do. Yeah. And uh, the connection is that uh, the Tragically Hip uh, wrote a song called uh, Wheat Kings uh, to tell the story about uh, David Milgard. So, um, yeah, he served 23 years in prison for a crime he did not commit, uh, which prompted uh, Gord Downey or inspired Gord Downey to, to write the song. Mm-hmm. In his words, this is what, <clears throat> this is what uh, Downey said. Excuse me. It's about David Milgard and his faith in himself and about his mother Joyce and her absolute faith in her son's innocence and about our big country and its faith in man's fallibility and about Gail Miller. All those mornings ago, just lying there, all her faith bleeding out into that Saskatoon uh, snowbank. Uh, Interesting uh, tidbit about uh, the song. So the title, Wheat Kings. Uh, is named after uh, the farmers in Saskatchewan after they developed a popular strain of wheat that fueled the uh, the local economy there. That's why it's called the Wheat Kings. And uh, at the beginning of the song, I think it's at the beginning of the song, there's a sound of a, a very specific bird that uh, that you're familiar with the uh, the loon, and uh, 
In fact, the sound of that loon, so this is what Rob Baker, guitarist, said. The man who recorded that actual sound was not paid for, uh, for that sound. So uh, the band made a donation in lieu of paying it, paying for that to uh, the conservation group Ducks Unlimited uh, in, in, uh, in that person's name. So some fun facts in Canadian music. Brought to you by Coca-Cola. TikTok. <laughs> Brought to you by TikTok. Yes. And that's the pre-show. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hey, I'm Dominique Grant. I'm a singer-songwriter from Toronto, Canada. Welcome to the music. Welcome, 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 welcome. Dominique, it's so great to have you on the show. Um, we want to thank you for calling in from the UK, as we understand. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, our first, Greg, our first UK Yes, I think it's our first person calling in from the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe you're correct. There you go. I mean, we 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 have been international, but this is like we've we're you know crossing oceans now, which <laughs> which which is great. Dominic, um, what what takes you to uh, to the UK? Uh, so I'm currently right now. I'm in London. I'm working on some new music and collaborations, which I'm excited to. Uh, I can't announce yet, but I'm here pretty much working on some new music and also uh, performing. So, awesome! Well, congrats on on uh, on collaborating with uh, with Paul McCartney. Of, uh, <laughs> I mean, of, how did you know of the Beatles? You know? I'll just throw that out there. Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> um, but but again, uh, thank thanks so much for for coming on. Um, I wanted to, you know, I was doing some research, uh, you know, uh, on you, and you know, just you know, deep diving and you know, trying to understand and find out, you know, where does Dominique come from? You know, what's her her background? Why don't you get started in music? And for a while, I thought, okay, she's she's relatively new in music, and then I found out, oh my goodness, she's been singing writing performing since she was like yay high as uh as my parents uh would say but uh you you have been uh performing since you were uh, a young child if, if i'm correct is that right yeah yeah i mean i've been um, performing for a while i i didn't actually just start in music i was um always playing instruments but i was actually uh, writing and performing in theater shows and theater productions and that's how i really got into performing on bigger stages how did you get started in, in performing itself? Um, I just was weird. I was a really weird kid. And my mom was like, we need to do something with you. And we need an outlet because this weirdness just in space is not working for me. So okay. she, <laughs> she needed so you she, to get out of the house. Is that what it was? She needed me to get out of just randomly singing and creating things in class, you know, with, with no outlet. Like I was just a little disruptive to be quite yeah. honest. Um, and so uh, we just looked around at community programs in Toronto and there were like a bunch of theater programs um, and the major theaters in, in Canada actually had uh, a emerging artist programs. So the first one uh -huh. that I did was with a the theater, Passamurai and um, 
I was kind of put on stage with like Dora award-winning directors and actors. And they also were like, we need someone to write music. So naturally I was performing in theater, but also singing and um, kind of jump ahead after years of doing that. Uh, someone actually scouted me from the Raptors. They were an entertainment scout and they were at one of my shows and they were like, you need to be writing music. And I was like, okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that kind of inspired me to really move into recording and writing my own stuff. But I think I really got my start in just being on stage in theaters, to be quite honest. So you go from theater to singing, like, so what, what did that scout see in you? What did they say they saw? Um, so one of my songs in particular, I wrote a song called free. Um, I wrote, this is the first song that I actually wrote. I think I wrote it when I was like 15 and I had just had it laying around and, um, I did a show with Judith Thompson. It's called the grace project sick. And that show actually got nominated for Adora, but the production and the music was nominated as well too. And so he heard that song and he was like, what is this song? And I was like, Oh yeah, I just like wrote this song years ago and I really like it. And he was like, you need to turn this into an, into an EP and into an album. And this theater thing is cute, but you need to be focusing (laughs) on music. And, And so I think to be quite honest, I think my journey has always been me kind of trying to figure out the pieces and then meeting people who just believe in in you as an artist more than you see and reminding you that there's like bigger things to come and I just kind of kept with developing and growing and and yeah how old were you when this when this happened oh geez I think I was like 18 okay like 18 or 19 yeah so okay okay sorry Greg I'll I'll come back to you because I I want to follow up with this one here um so I read that you're you have been a motivational speaker. So, <laughs> yeah. so like, when does, when does this happen? Like when does motivational speaking happen in between theater and, you know, yeah, theater's cute, but you need to be doing your own stuff and, and singing and recording. They all happen at the same time. Um, okay. So my background is I grew up in uh, like a, a really social and political neighborhood in downtown Toronto that had quite a bit of issues. And so um I naturally was just like asked to talk about that experience and I was put on stages. And, um, and so I think in between like maybe 16 to 21, I was performing in music and theater. I was also um, being asked to just talk a little bit about how we can imagine beyond the limitations of what's in front Mm. of us. And I, you know, come from a single parent, you know, family, my mom immigrated from Jamaica and she did the best that she could, but there are a lot of people, I think, in different neighborhoods that are struggling. And I just was given a platform to kind of talk to people about how I was always able to just like push all of the negativity aside and, and create a vision. And, and again, it, it, it just really started with like wanting to talk about something. Um, and then someone coming along and being like, Oh my God, you're super talented. I want to give you this platform. And so like, as an example, um, to kind of bring it together as to how the music and the theater and the speaking work, um, I, I think I was maybe 22 when I got one of my biggest music performances and a, a, a singer songwriter, like hip hop artist, his name's Emmanuel Jal. He um, came to my school to do an event and randomly was like, someone told me that you're an artist. Can you sing and talk to me about yourself? And I did. And he was like, great, you need to come on tour with me. And oh, so <laughs> a week later I was performing at the Guelph Hillside festival with him for 50,000 people. And so this is, this is what I mean. It's like, 
I think when people see speaking and they see music and they see theater, they see them as different, but they're really all very similar. Okay. We're, we're bringing together a message and we're finding a way to connect with an audience. And so I think it's really just been about like all the pieces just kind of jumbled together. People just wanted to hear more about my story and in one outlet, it was through music through another, it was through like writing and theater shows and through the other one, it was just speaking. And so. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Greg, go, it's, go it's, ahead. It's, yeah, no, it's interesting. Cause I mean, it, it, to, to dovetail off that, like, you know, I wanted to talk about yeah, the, your, the G, D, DGC group and like, you you seem very business oriented, like, right. And, and so, so I wanted to talk about sort of how you sort of built that business behind yourself to support you and others. Yeah. And so we're, we're now incorporated. So um, I'm, it's called Grant Creativity Inc. now. Um, okay. And I really started my company because I just, there wasn't space for me anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the time, we think it's just like, you know, artists are just getting picked up by labels or just like there's a conventional space for everyone. And there really wasn't, I didn't have management. I didn't really have a team, but I just kept having people that were trying to book me for events and for shows. And so the bigger shows started coming along and I was like, Oh my God, I have to have something in place. And so I literally started, um, DGC group slash grant creativity Inc out of just a need to make sure that I had something set up around me and it's kind of expanded into just really understanding how to be an artist and an entrepreneur. When I see, you know, artists like Janelle Monet, or I see someone like Mm -hmm. Jessica Alba, even 50 cent, they are all talented artists who are really focusing on their own craft, but they have a business behind them. And, you know, Janelle, um, who I met, I met maybe three or four years ago when I was in New York, um, she has Wonderland and people don't actually know that she has had her own label behind her since she started. And that's kind of been the system of it. But for me, because I come from a community background, it's also important aside from it, just supporting my music to really be able to, you know, give back because I didn't always have people who invested in me. And so part of the work that I do with Grant Creativity Inc. is we also invest in emerging artists. We help to sponsor development. We help to pair them with opportunities with brands. We've worked with everyone from RBCX Music to a bunch of other brands to really support young artists who don't have access and to make sure that they have a platform and a space um, beyond what we traditionally think is accessible. And so, um, again, I think my company just grew out of a sheer need to make sure that I had space for myself and that I could create space for others in a really innovative way. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I do, I do want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about your mom being a single mom and, you know, uh, congrats on the release of the album. And, um, and, and I wanted to talk about the song save me. Cause I, I know you, you know, deeply personal for you. I, as I understand, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but just about, <laughs> you know, uh, as I said, your, your, your mom, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, your mom being Christian, your dad being Muslim, if that's, if I'm, correct to that yeah I want to make sure I, want to, I don't want to get it wrong and just like you know talk, but I was hoping you could talk about the the importance and the influence your mom had on you and you know sort of in in relation to that song if I may yeah so first and foremost save me was probably one of the most vulnerable songs I've written and I, it, it terrifies me even like going on stage and performing it because I'm like oh my god I have to really really say these things that I actually feel but I grew up like 
being taught maybe aren't okay to say. Um, my relationship with my mom is great. Uh, my mom is one of my best friends. She is my biggest supporter. She's my biggest champion. Um, but I did grow up, you know, in a, in a Jamaican Canadian household where religion was very prominent and that didn't necessarily mean that my mom was, was crazy strict, but it did mean that we were going to church every Sunday. We, you know, we did get baptized. Um, there were certain rules that I had to follow. And even after, uh, um, years and years and years of, of, of having to, you know, follow religion, um, you start to realize that there are certain things that you no longer have to be told to do because it really influences your decisions. And so Save Me is about wanting to be this person that is perfect and can heal and can forgive but is actually just broken in the process and doesn't know where to start. Um, and it's also just a little bit about being disappointed in myself because when you go to church though, most of your life, you are literally around people who are telling you and teaching you these things that you should know how to do automatically. But I just didn't know how to do it. I was really angry. My, my father on the other side is, is Muslim and he was in and out of my life, but having those two juxtapositions just meant that, there was a lot of truth that I wanted to tell. And I had these filters all around me that I couldn't really, I couldn't really speak beyond because I, I, I had to really push through that. So I think save me is, is kind of just asking for help and being like, I want you to save me, but I just don't know how to save myself. And, and I think that's a, that's a bit about the song. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it was to do with the song as well. It was, I think a Q interview and you used, you said a, 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 a phrase that just really struck me. And I think if I, I, I don't want to get a context, but I think you were talking about your dad at the time, but the, the, you said something like hurt people, hurt people. And, and I, I was just like, honestly, I was just like, wow. Like, I mean, we've all, you know, we've all dealt with many things in our lives. I can't, I, I can't even fathom what, what, you know, your life and vice versa. But um, yeah, that was really, that really struck me. That really struck me. Well, thank you. And yeah, that's one of the lyrics in, um, in the, in the second verse of the song. And I mm-hmm. think that the context of that was, um, I've had to adopt a really new understanding about healing and forgiveness. And that mm-hmm. I used to be someone who, um, because I'm, I'm very, uh, I grew up being taught that you just have to be kind all the time. Like, even when people are terrible, you just have to be kind because you gotta be good. And, um, it, that kind of expanded into, not always knowing how to speak up for myself, but over the last year or two, I've been able to flip that and to understand that you don't need to get angry. You just need to understand that when people are trying to hurt other people, it's not just because they're bad. It's because they're hurt and they haven't healed and they don't know how to love. And so I think that that's where that came from and just trying to really understand self-love, healing, forgiveness, but really taking it back to that basic thing when someone is being terrible to you, they're hurt and they are trying to find an outlet for you to be that. And they don't know how to channel it. So hmm. I'm glad that that connected with you also. It's yeah, one of my favorite yeah, lyrics. Yeah. You're, I, I want to go back. We're going to go back and forth with, with a bunch of stuff, Dominique. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, when you, when you performed the song uh, in the empty streets of Toronto, um, or in a particular neighborhood uh, back in 2020, April 2020, um, you sang the song Till Till We See the Sun. Um, tell me about 
I'm curious about the neighborhood, if that was intentional, where you sang it, where, you know, you were driven through, carried through. Um, tell, tell me about, a little bit about that neighborhood specifically. Yeah, so that neighborhood is called the Esplanade. Okay. Um, the Esplanade is uh, a mixed income neighborhood. It's it's a it's very similar to the neighborhood that I grew up in, but it's it's one of the other ones that are in downtown Toronto. Um, I actually performed in the, in the Esplanade because there was an organization called Jammy Esplanade, and they reached out and they were like, we want to do something and we, we don't know what to do, but we really want to lift people's spirits. And they were like, can you sing? And so they actually invited me to come over because they built this social distance thing called the Kissany hub, which is like a chair. It has a bike at the front and then it has a performance space on the back. And that's what you see in the video. There's yeah. a, someone riding a bike and it was built like that because at the time, if you remember, like, I don't even think we were allowed to do that performance, to be quite honest. So we had to be so careful about it. But um, the Esplanade is a mixed income neighborhood that uh, has a lot of rich culture. It also has a lot of, you know, seniors and a lot of people who were really struggling at the time. And so the the performance... Um, Jammy was just like, can you do something? And I was like, sure, I'll come. And and then the day before I was like, you know, I'm just going to write this random song because my mom told me to write it. She's like, write something. You're miserable. You're depressed and the world needs music and you need to do something about it. Like this, this is not the time for you to be down. And so I, I really could not have imagined that that song and just literally going into the streets and performing it for like buildings I thought were empty would 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 bring me to one of the best parts of my career and mm. I still don't really understand it I think the only thing that I've really been able to grasp is that if you create something from a really meaningful place and you have a story to tell people will resonate if it comes from an authentic space and I think that's all I've really been able to make sense because I woke up the next day and it was on every media channel that I knew of and we didn't put marketing dollars into it we didn't have a marketing plan and a lot of the places that it was playing, I don't even think you can pay money to get it on. So it was just a really interesting, uh, 2020 was a really crazy year to be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> what's going, what's going through your mind? How is your body feeling um, as you're, because it's a very, I don't want to say it's a somber song, but it's a very, you know, it's a song that you're, you're sitting in, you're calm as, as, as you're singing. Uh, but at the same time, you're in a world that is vastly different uh, than we've ever experienced. And especially, you know, if you think about a month or two months before and where you are, that's like two different worlds that we're living in. Um, tell me about what's happening to you as you're being driven through the streets and you're, and you're singing this song. Okay, well, first, I, I think we need to bring people back to 2020. Like, I don't want to do that, but... Um, sure, sure. The, the, that, that day when we went into the street, like, th that wasn't just, like, a casual day. That was the day when restrictions were just announced. Everyone was getting ready to go into the first lockdown that we've ever had. We've never even heard of what a lockdown is, and it's a global lockdown. Um, we're seeing all these ridiculous images on the, sh on, the, on the TV of people just dropping in the streets and us thinking there's, you know, this thing coming that's just taking lives. And, and then on top of that, the streets are bare. There's no one outside. And so um, I was terrified, to be mm. quite honest, because I think a lot of people are like, oh, you're so courageous. But I want you to put yourself in the situation of going into a neighborhood and performing for buildings 
and not knowing if anyone's hearing you performing uh-huh. a new song and not really knowing the outcome of it. I was literally in a street in front of a building with maybe four or 500 people. And I had no idea if anyone was even home, but as an artist, that's terrifying because I think one of your biggest fears as an artist is, is, is no one hearing you and no one liking your music. And so I was very somber writing that song because I wrote it at, at 8am. Um, I got actually I started writing it at like six in the morning because my mom called and told me to get up and I wrote it from a place of just trying to understand and make sense of the fact that two tours got canceled. I had no source of income. Um, I couldn't see my grandma for a really long time and I just didn't know when anything was going to be happening. And so I was trying to find light for myself, to be quite honest, because I was just, I was really unclear. And then being asked to actually perform that for people who might've also been in that space, it started out as fear, but I think maybe a minute into the performance in, in, in realizing that people were cheering and that they were in tears. I was like, Oh, this is what it's about. Like, maybe Mm. you're not just here to perform a song. Maybe you've actually been brought here because there are people who literally need this music in order to have a little bit of hope. And, and I think that those moments in that moment in particular, seeing a woman in a robe, an elderly couple looking through their window, a little girl in, you know, on the other side, who's not coming outside because literally we're not supposed to go outside. Um, I just realized that like, this is like humanity. Like, I think it seems like it's about the music right now, but it's really about we're human beings who are all going through a really hard time and no one has any answers. And we're all just hopefully looking for a little bit of hope to get through the next day. And so, um, yeah, this conversation makes me so emotional going back there too, because I, I think we forget that it was a really hard time for people. It was a collective experience, right? That we were all like, everybody was going through their own thing, but it was a collective experience that we were having at the time. I, I think so. And, and I think the other thing to remember is, is there has never been a point in time where you would have 300 people all open their, their, their curtains in, in robes um, with their children, all home, not able to work who are literally just looking for some hope like that, that hasn't happened. And I don't know if it will happen again. And so I think that it was a collective experience. And I Mm. think that we were all able to kind of shed a lot of the things that we put up in order to feel important and to have an ego. And for the first time, and and, and since I've been on this planet, there was nothing else except for just ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope you don't mind me going here, Dominique, but you know, this, this wasn't the first time that you've written a song from, from sort of a, um, an emotional, uh, place an emotional space. Uh, you lost a family member, uh, earlier on in, in what Toronto called, uh, the year of the gun. Um, your, your song young world, I think, is that what it was called? Young world. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about, um, tell me about the person that if, if it's okay, Tell me about the person that you lost. You know, who were they? Who were they to you? What, what kind of an individual were they? Yeah. Um, so it was my, uh, my, my older cousin, Sasha. He was uh, like, my family is really great in that all of our cousins, we all have a cousin that's the same age as us. And um, he was one of my oldest cousins uh, at the time. I think he was 24. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a horrific, horrific experience experience for anyone to go through um 
he his life was taken in a very unjust way and um the event got the highest sentence for anyone who's committed a crime in Canada. Um, they called it the, you know, the mother's day shooting. And I don't, I don't often talk about it because um, it's just kind of another layer to the things that I've experienced. But I think that young world was also similar. It was about trying to find light. Uh, I was, I think 17 at the time when I wrote that song and when that happened and um I, I just didn't really know how to process it. You know, it's processing grief, it's processing pain, it's processing something that is hard to deal with. And and my family, you know, took us years to to mm. figure out a way to even have a conversation about it. But um yeah, Young World is is another song. I guess maybe there's a pattern here in that that song was just written to to find light in a dark time and and Young World, you know, ended up, you know, being placed in some really cool places and um, there have been some really prominent events in, in Canadian history. And, you know, I've been invited to perform that song as a song for healing, you know, um, the victims of Orlando, there's quite a few of them where I was, you know, invited to be a special guest in order to perform that music. And so I, I think I'm, I am realizing, I guess, through this interview that maybe there is a bit of a pattern in that uh, I've, I've had some really <laughs> challenging times and we've maybe just a general thing to take away is that, a lot of us are struggling with a lot and we're all trying to figure out a way to move through it. But for me, I've just been taught that you have two options. Your one option is that you stay in the darkness and you let it take over. Or the second is that you create your own light. And there's a quote that my mom taught me when I was really young and it's, there can be darkness on the entire planet, but darkness can't put out the light of a single candle. And you always got to figure out a way to be that light. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. So when yeah. when you when you so I'm curious how you approach music. You know, you you've had these these events. You know, whether it's a uh, an event that happened that that affects you on a personal level, um, or whether it's in a, an event that affects the collective that we all participated as as individuals. Um, how do you approach how do you approach music today, like new music? Um, and when and when you decide to perform some of these songs that come from a, a, a place that uh, of healing or of hurt and, and you perform them today, like do you perform them from a, a better place? Do you take yourself back to those times? I think that every performance is different. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say so. So first on the songwriting side, I think that great songwriters, good songwriters, just songwriters in general, um, you always have to bring yourself to the space of vulnerability and it doesn't so much become about your pain or about your hardship or about what you do or don't want to talk about. It becomes about what is the story that you're telling and what, what is the conflict? And, and um, I think that that's a, a really interesting thing that I've just learned is um, you take vulnerability in something that feels really uncomfortable to share. And then you ask what the conflict is and you figure out what the resolution is and then you come up with the concept and you, you put it out into the world. And so um, this is like not necessarily tied to me, but if you listen to, for example, any of the music that Justin Bieber writes or, yeah. um, you know, all of his songs like sorry or uh, lonely, they're all based on there being a conflict and an internal conflict and a conflict with, with the outside. And so I think that 
with any song that I perform, um, I write it from the space of whatever I'm going through at the time. And when I perform it, I perform it from the space of wherever I am at the time. But I always bring myself into the song um, to ensure that the audience can really resonate with the authentic place that it was written from. And so it does obviously take, you know, something like Save Me, although it was written, you know, maybe a year or two ago. Um, my songs bring me right back to when it was written and it just kind of engulfs me in the emotion. And then I'm like, all right, <laughs> hopefully that's served its purpose. So, Wow. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yes, very much so. So one of the songs that I wanted to uh, talk about was Airbrush. I mean, in, uh, in the conversation Kareem and I had right before we jumped on here, I don't think it was in the pre-show. I think it was just more of the two of us. And, and Kareem said to me, Greg, you really aren't on Twitter anymore, are you? Because I left like a couple weeks ago. Like I'm done. It was around the Elon Musk thing or around that time frame. And I'm like, yeah. I, and so we had a discussion about Facebook and that. But I mean, I, I just wanted to have a quick touch on, you know, that that song and the topic of, you know, beauty and expectations and and the impact of social media if you can share some of your thoughts and oh airbrush <laughs> so airbrush is one of my favorite songs um and again that is a song that was written from a, a place of frustration and pain I'm like it's hard talking about beauty standards but it was flipped mm-hmm. around and turned into satire um airbrush mm-hmm. airbrush is about just being sick and tired of these ridiculous standards that are set online um i used to try to fit into all these trends i used to try to do all these things to go viral um i used to listen to my influencer friends who were like oh you got to do this and then i would listen to industry people who'd be like oh you got to do this and at the end of it you're just like who the hell am i supposed to be you know like what is this about but i think the the underlying thing is that for women for black women um, for queer, trans, you know, whatever the title is and the label is, there are boxes for all of us. And oftentimes when you operate outside of that box, people don't really want to see it or hear it. Uh, I am a Canadian artist that's Black with blue hair that grew up learning three different languages and who sings and raps and is a pop artist, but also loves Bonnie Vare, you know? Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> it's just there just wasn't always space for me and so airbrush is a song i just flipped all of the things that i was told that i needed to be in order to go viral i flipped it on its head and turned it into satire and um i just was like i'm gonna just be myself and that's what it is but i think it's also a song and a message for everyone else like we're all on like this virtual space as musicians social media makes me anxious like I just, I have to work in order to like be online all the time. And I love my fans, which is why I do it. But um, there's just, there's cancel culture. There's, um, there there are filters, there's makeup. It's like you go online and your makeup and your hair, your edges aren't laid properly, um, female terms. And people aren't okay with you not looking perfect. And I'm like, who the hell looks like this in real life? Like no one looks like this. And so anyway, Airbrush is just a really honest, authentic song about all those things. It's breaking standards. It's redefining them. And we have to all operate on this space online. And it's just a song about being yourself. And at the end of the day, your fans are going to gravitate to you being authentic with who you are. And I think the final thing with the song was I had one of my, my mentors was like, Hey, this is when we were coming up with the branding and marketing for the EP. And I was like, Oh yeah, like I should probably go in a new direction. Like, I think that I could do this and I could get more views. And they were just like, I'm just going to let you know that I have a Grammy and um, I have other friends that have Grammys and the friends that are at the top of their game that didn't stay true to who they are. They're miserable and they can't 
be happy with everything that they have. So whatever you need to do in order to like fight this need to go viral, make sure that underneath it all, you're you. And, and I was like, all right, mm. that's all I need. I'm going to keep this blue hair and I'm going to keep singing Bonnie Vare and I'm going to be weird. So that is <laughs> awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Greg, Greg is now convinced to go on TikTok and just be himself. He was, he was so afraid he had to be someone else. Greg, we're ready. TikTok. Yeah, Greg, listen. <laughs> Even white, white middle-aged men can be on TikTok. There's a lane you. for everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stay in my lane and it's not on TikTok. <laughs> uh, Greg, all right. Fair That's enough. Great. Uh, Dominique, I understand uh, you have a song you'd like to perform for us today. I was wondering if you could... Tell us a little bit about the song. Yes. So I am performing my song, Real Me. Uh, Real Me is a song about learning to be okay with your flaws in relationships. It was produced by Jarell Young, uh, who was recently nominated for a Grammy on Drake's album. And it was co-written by Kiki Rowe of Sony Music. So this is Real Me. And here we go. Trust is ruined When I get angry I threaten to go in I test your love By testing your devotion to me I'm sorry Don't know why I'll do this Deep down I'm trying to be A better human I'm sorry I'm a little insecure my ways I know you deserve more But what's love without pain You love me anyway Can you
Thank you so thank you so us. much, Dominic. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Dominic, we have a uh, a segment on the program called Lost Venues, <laughs> where we ask our guests to revisit uh, a place. Maybe it's a funny story. Maybe it's a sad story. Maybe it's an embarrassing story uh, uh, about a performance or, or an event that happened at uh, at a venue that no longer exists. So, Dominic, what what is your lost venue? Okay, so the venue that I'm going to talk about. Okay, actually, I have I have two venues, and I'm going to right. have to pick one. But I want to clarify: Are you wanting a venue specifically in Canada, or can it be anywhere? No, nope, anywhere. anywhere in the world. Okay, so here is my story. Um, I was invited to perform for World AIDS Day in Uganda, um, Pepsi, and it was about. 40,000 people. It was huge. It was a lot. And um, the venue is no longer there because it was torn down because it was built. So there's a crafty way of answering this question. But um, it poured rain right before the concert and uh, all the speakers and monitors blew out. So the crowd could hear the music, but the artists on stage couldn't hear anything. And there was nothing that we could do because it was being televised for over 150,000 people. So my experience with performing for the largest audience that I had ever performed for internationally was going on stage and not being able to hear myself after it didn't just rain, it poured. If you've ever been to any part of East Africa or to Africa as a whole, the rains are not regular rains. If you get caught, <laughs> everything will ruin you and there is no coming back from it. And so um, my love for that performance was that I realized that in moments like that, you're training as an artist and you practicing behind the scenes is what will allow you to still be able to go on stage and to perform regardless of not being able to hear yourself. My frustration with that situation is that I had to go on stage without hearing myself <laughs> and I was terrified, but I made it through and I was better because of it. Nice. And yeah. Awesome. Where in Good Uganda you. did you perform? Um, oh my God. What is it called? Entebbe. Entebbe. So you were near the airport. Yes. Nice. Nice. My parent, my, both of my parents uh, are refugees from Uganda. Oh, yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Have but you been? I have been once. Okay. Yeah. 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 In 2010. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I went with my wife. Uh, my cousin lives in Entebbe. So we visited her, went to Uganda, went to the village that my uh, that my dad grew up in. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it was a really, really great experience. But uh, probably That's Uganda has the best weather. It's right on the equator. It's yep. not too hot. It's like it's like perfect. The weather when we were there, the weather was just perfect. Yeah, it, it, and it is. It is really good. I think the the uh, dry season though can get really really hot, but you also you get used to it, and it's it's like a better type of heat than yeah. I think like Toronto heat or like Canada heat because you know so yeah, it's, it's just hot. But you don't feel you're walking into a wall of heat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's just it's just like par paradise. Um, yeah. Dominic, awesome. thank you, thank you so much. I think Greg Greg yeah, has a has got, a final got, question or I two. Actually, have two questions. Two. I have two questions for you. All right. So yeah. the first question for you is, what was that first song for you that was the aha moment 
that you wanted to be a musician? Greg, this is a good question. All right. Yeah, oh. let's. I need to write down the dates. Greg, Greg came up with a good question on May the seventeenth. <laughs> this is a. He does this, Dominique. He does this. Time. He does this like once every four to six months. He'll have a. He'll have a good question. So, I, I need to stand up and give a little bit of applause. Guys <laughs> are funny. Oh my goodness. Um, oh jeez. <laughs> just maybe um, not the one a then the one. a a song that really inspired you as as a young person to play music trying to figure out which one um my mom played a lot of music mm. in the house uh i listened to a lot of aretha i listened to a lot of tracy chapman i listened to a lot of bob dylan and bob marley um Hmm. And Whitney, geez, I'm trying to think. And Alanis, hey, there are a lot of artists. Um, I am trying to think of which one. Okay, so I'm going to give two answers because I'm obviously, I just can never give one. This yeah. has been a childhood thing. Like, I can never give one answer. Why your mom um, wanted you to get into theater, right? Literally, she's like, yeah, stop yeah, this. Like, two yeah, answers when people want one, and we're tired of this. Okay, <laughs> stop it. Um, the first one is Redemption Song by Bob Marley. Mm. Um, that just in itself, I feel like Bob wrote music that we don't even have to really talk about. You just hear it and you're like, oh, this has a message and this is commercial and this is great. And so uh, that because uh, my parents are Jamaican and Bob Marley was just a huge inspiration for me. I'd say the second one uh, you're gonna laugh but i want to dance with somebody whitney houston Ah. yeah yeah it's just they're like so they're so different but um whitney whitney for me um helped to redefine what a pop artist is supposed to look like um there were no there were no boxes for her her music was pop. Her music was soul. Her music was, was so many different things. And she was able to break the charts in ways that a lot of artists have a lot of difficulty today. But um, I think I want to dance with somebody. If you listen to it, it's a sad song. Mm-hmm. It's about being lonely in your bedroom and wanting to dance with someone, but it was turned into a song of dancing and celebrating. Dance song, yeah. 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 And so I feel like that that's kind of at the top of the list because I started realizing that you can say things and take sad experiences and you can turn it into pop and soul and dope music. Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. The other, the other question I have for you that we all ask all our guests before we finish up is what's in your earbuds lately? What are you listening to that people should be checking out? Ooh. Hmm. So I, I love, I love Bonnie Fair. I just, I listen to him every day. Like he is, his music brings, brings peace to me. So um, I'd say that I'm trying to think of some local artists because there's like a lot of really dope artists right now that are doing really great. Um, my homegirl, Havaya, Havaya Mighty, if you don't know her, check her out. She yeah. just won uh, Juno for hip hop artists, uh, first female. I'd say she's someone that I, I listen to quite a bit. Um, I love me some Lizzo, Frank Ocean, but Frank's stuff is like, Frank just disappeared and no one knows where he is and his music is, is really great. Um, 
And I'd say, I always love me some Emily Sande. Um, I don't know what it is about her music, but it's just like, she just writes it from just like, there's like a cry in her tone and in her voice, but she just has really great songwriting. So I, I feel like maybe, maybe that little group right now. That's great. That's great. Thank you. And thank you for bringing in the Hawaii. Hawaii mighty. Uh, Hawaii mighty. Um, and bringing us back to the pre-show because we started at the pre-show talking about the Junos. So thank you for bringing us full circle as we yes. wind up this chat. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Dominique, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for staying up late uh, to chat with us. If people want to find out more about what you're up to, consume your music, where do they need to go? Yes, you can go to dominiquegrant.com. I'm on Instagram at damagrant, so it's D-O-M-A-G-R-A-N-T. And then you can find me anywhere under my first name, D-O-M-A-N-I-Q-U-E, and last name Grant, G-R-A-N-T. Awesome. Check out the new album and EP. Sorry. It's a Queendom chapter one queen. You can find that on Spotify um, on all streaming platforms pretty much right now. And thank you in advance for the love and the support. Congrats on the, uh, on the double EP. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much again for your time today. 